Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hey, what is going on, everybody? Today is Wednesday. It's the 19th of January, 2022. This is going to be the first show of the new year, and We'll do a little quick preview of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to take, oh, what I'll I'll guess I'll call the uh, 30,000 foot view of a couple of incidents that have happened. And those are both shootings, one which is the Kyle Rittenhouse, and the other is the Alec Baldwin incident that happened. And I think that's the last last show that I talked about, had had, uh, done a little bit on that. We'll also talk a little bit about some of the uh, ammunition situation that's going on and firearm situation that's going on. And then I'll also talk a little bit about a couple of new things that I recently purchased. All right, so before we jump in with that stuff, let's go ahead and get our contact info posted. You may notice I uh, am in the mobile studio. I'm parked. Had to take my mother-in-law in for a medical appointment, and I, I knew I would have probably about a good half hour or so. You may, again, hear hear some outside noises, things like that. Or you may hear me fiddling around here in the, in the car. But anyway, let's go ahead and get that contact info posted. I would love to hear from you guys, and you can always... Uh, send in or talk in about anything you want, or you can just drop me a line or, or call up the voicemail and say hello. So anyway, that voicemail number is 206-745-2731. You are limited to 90 seconds, but you can call it as many times as you want. If you would rather write an email or, and have me read it out for you on the show, or if you would rather send in your own audio recording and have me play it for you on the show, the place to send that is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. If you go over to firearmscafe.com, which is my website, you'll find buttons for all my social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you like the show and would ever consider supporting it, I do have a few things that you can do. One would be, you could do it financially. There's a PayPal donation button there. You can click on that and follow the on-screen prompts. Or you could tell some of your friends about the show. Or you could just uh, call in or, or drop in a line. I get a big kick out of getting feedback from people. And the other thing would be go over to uh, the website, click on the YouTube button, and Go over and check out my YouTube channel and subscribe. We're almost up to 500. And I don't know if at 500 I'll do maybe a a giveaway or or I'll do, maybe I'll wait to see if I can get up to 1,000. And the giveaway would be something small, maybe like a a beer cozy or something like that. So not a a big deal. Uh, Anyway, I think that has, is is about it. Let's talk, and again, we'll, we'll do... Oh, some of the the eagle's eye view of what's going on. And I guess we'll talk about maybe Alec Baldwin first. And it appears that he 
some of the things that I've seen, he is is distancing himself and not really taking any responsibility for what happened. Uh, it seems that it's going to be everybody else's fault except for him and that he bears no responsibility at all. From a purely, what we'll say, maybe mercenary viewpoint, if we want to try and, uh, again, look at something from real high up, he you can tell he's lawyered up. You can tell he is not making any admission, number one, uh, to protect himself from a criminal liability, but then also probably to, to protect himself from any type of civil liability. So it will be interesting to see, are they going to go after the person who was the, the prop master, you know, and, and the person who was uh, in charge of the firearms. He was also executive producer, which at, at some point means the buck is supposed to stop with him type deal as he's in charge of hiring and firing everybody that's, that's on that set. He uh, is sort of in charge of that type of thing. It also appears that the set was not uh, and this is from the information that I've been able to to uh, to gather. Who knows whether it's 100% true. It wasn't that safe. They were using guns to go to the range to give actors familiarity, using real firearms, and then those firearms were being brought onto the set and being used on the set. From some of the research that I've done, normally that stuff is never done. And live ammunition is especially at this day and age, is, is it's not allowed on the set. There are also, I guess what you would call maybe three type of, uh, and we'll use the term loosely, firearms for a set. You have a thing that is uh, a prop gun, which could be made out of plastic or even you know metal, but it, it's not a firearm. It, it, it's kind of think of it like a blue gun you know, or a dummy gun, but it looks real. Then you have a, a blank gun, and sometimes you'll also have a gun that could be almost like an airsoft gun, so it can fire little pellets or BBs, but that's about it. The blank guns are designed to where you still maybe get the sound and the smoke and stuff, but a lot of times they'll have specialized barrels. They'll also have, in the case of revolvers, they'll have specialized, uh, the cylinders will be machined in a way to where you cannot physically put a live round. So let's say that if on the set of any, this could be any movie, the guy was supposed to have a 357 Magnum. Well, they would have the cylinder draw uh, uh, machined to where you cannot put a live round in there. Uh, and a lot of times they've, they've improved the technology of with the blanks that if something does go wrong, even the barrel is set up to where I think it's nothing's going to come out of it or would be highly unlikely. So I, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. He is getting sort of, um, oh, what will we say? Uh, treated with kid gloves in the press. They're really not doing much to him because he is a super left-leaning guy. So it seems that he is getting some protection. The, the story is still getting reported on, but not, not to the uh, level if it were somebody who was a super, you know, Trump supporter or a super conservative uh, person like that, I think they would, that person would probably be crucified. Also, because he's, just because he's famous, 
I think that he is, is being treated a little bit differently. If you or I were making a YouTube video or something like that, or even our own little movie, and something like this happened, we'd probably be sitting inside a jail cell right now. But I think that's, uh, that's maybe about it. The, I think the, the one last thing was that I saw was that he wasn't really cooperating. This was how it was, how it was couched, whether this is true or not, I don't know. But supposedly he wasn't going to share or, or give his cell phone, maybe to show texts or something like that, uh, with, the, with the ongoing investigation. So we'll, we'll have to see on that. All right, let's take another view of a different situation. And that's with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Now, in his thing, he has gone through the trial and actually went through quite a bit of uh, grief, agony. I, I don't know how, how you would say it. I can't imagine being 17 at the time, 18, even 18 at the time, and going through the stuff that he did. I didn't watch a whole lot of the trial, but from what I saw, they, it seems like he was pretty well prepped and they kind of had their ducks in the row. I think a big part of that is that I guess if we're maybe talk about it sort of in a luck situation in that the person that the people that he ended up shooting and killing and the person that he ended up just shooting and wounding were not exactly the cream of the crop. Also, unfortunately, we do have to look at the racial element, uh, even though it was reported at a certain point that he had shot and killed two black people. Everybody he shot and, and uh, everybody he, that, were, that was killed that lost their lives were all white people. And like I said, they were not, none of them were cream of the crop. Sometimes we, we tend to look at things and... and and people in general will look at things as far as, well, how did it, how did it end up? And if it ended up in his favor, he's a hero. And if he had been sentenced to 60 years in prison, then he'd be a zero. And people's perspective it is, is dependent on that. For me, I tried to do it with, instead of being a positional thing, I tried to look at it and really think about it the whole thing as a principle thing. And for me, on principle, I would not have allowed my child, my 17-year-old kid, if I had a 17-year-old son, I would not have allowed him to go there. And I said, I don't care what is, is going to happen. I mean, unless, you know, our house was right there, then I would probably say, you know what, you're going to leave. You're, you're going to go somewhere where there's... where." where this thing isn't going to happen. And if I felt I had to stay back to protect my own property, I, that's, you know, that's a, that's a man's job to do that, not a boy's job. And everybody's going to say, oh, you know, you got 17 year olds in the military, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but they're part of the military. They're not, they're not, you know, my kid and, and me and maybe my two brothers or something are, you know, standing up or, or on top of our roof trying to hope that, trying to keep the mob at bay. Anyway, I, I guess maybe that so um, has to do with sort of my viewpoint of a lot of people have brought up the argument of, well, should he have been there in the first place? And from my perspective, he should not have been. Uh, he, I think, put himself in a situation 
that he, I'm sure he probably re- at some point regrets being in. I, I don't, like I said, I haven't seen really a lot of interviews with him. And of course, he's still just a kid and he has sort of a kid's way of thinking and a kid's way of processing stuff. So uh, I would expect maybe a little, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of him going forward, how he's treated going forward. Of course, the left treats him as a total pariah. He, uh, as you guys know, I live out in Arizona. He had wanted to go to Arizona State University. And I guess there was a lot of protests when he wanted to come on campus. And again, this is stuff he's going to have to deal with for the rest of his life. Will he, I was going to say, I was going to say, will he be made a hero of the right? I don't know, maybe. Um, does he want that? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of like I said, interviews with him uh, to see that. But I am sure if you could say to him, well, if you can turn back the wheels of time and let's say you're there, but you are at a different place or you don't leave a certain area that you're in, would you have done that? And I'm sure he'd be like, no, I'd never, I wouldn't have gone at all. You know, he spent time in custody and uh, supposedly from, from his account one of the things that i he you know it was a really uh, poor situation where he was housed um we could do a, a quick aside here i used to be a probation officer and i was all i was a juvenile probation officer so the way that when he, i think maybe when he had turned himself in or when by the time he was in custody i think he was still a juvenile so depending on where he's held if he's not held in a juvenile facility, let's say if he's held in an adult facility, what they if, if he's held in an adult facility, almost every state in the country has, there's uh, legislation and procedures that if you have a juvenile who is in an adult facility, they are sight and sound removed from the adults. So they will not be anywhere where adult prisoners could have access to them. And like I said, I don't know how it is in in uh, all states. Uh, there are certain states sometimes where they have people that are under 18, and sometimes they will mix with people that are up to age 21. Uh, again, it depends on the state. But most of it, there is still there is still stuff in procedure to when somebody is a minor under the law that you are generally kept away from people that are considered adult. And I think that may have been part of the reason why some of his time in custody was so poor uh, was because they had to maybe keep him isolated, things like that. Uh, but he's a, you know, he's a young guy and he can kind of bounce back. I wonder what type of trauma he's going to go through. I hope, hopefully he'll be able to have some type of uh, counseling to be able to process stuff as he goes forward with his life and uh, as he has to, as, as what kind of all the stuff that happened to him settles in. You know, the other thing too, and the thing that really that I, that I, pardon my drink there, if you heard that, the thing that I heard, or not heard, gee whiz, the thing that I was thinking about the most was how the prosecution treated him. And, and I wasn't surprised so much with how they charged him. Because a lot of times, and and I, I saw this a lot, and a lot of times this is what, what we would do too as probation officers. If a kid violated their probation, some people would say, well, I'm only going to charge him with one thing. Uh, 
even though he did five, I'm, you know, I'm only going to write up my, my, uh, basically my violation that's going to be sent off to the county attorney's office. I'm only going to say, well, you know, I, I know he was out past curfew. I know he had, you know, was using drugs. I know he was drinking, but I'm only going to, you know, try and get him on the drugs. I'm not going to get him for a curfew and for, you know, two or three other things. I would always charge him with everything I could because then it would give you a way to, you could get a plea deal. And a lot of times, you know, in, in juvenile court, it's so different than in adult. But a lot of times the way you almost had to look at it, and this is going way off the into the weeds here, but the, the kid's punishment sometime would be sweating the court date. And like, oh, what's going to happen? Am I going to get locked up? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? And, and sometimes, you know, not all the time, but a lot of times that's all it would take. And you could get that kid kind of back on track and kind of focused again. Uh, but you know, again, we don't want to go too far down in the weeds. So there is a way, I, I guess what I was getting at is there's a way where even if you charge somebody with a bunch of stuff, even if you're your strategy, your strategy uh, for charging may be, well, we'll get rid of three or four of these things because what we want to do is just get this person back in here and maybe get them back on track type stuff. Uh, and I know it's different in adult. Uh, when you're dealing with juvenile, you have, there's a, there's a different um, mindset and a different th thing that you want to accomplish than you do when you have adult. But Having said that, you never charge them with something that you know won't hold up or that isn't a legitimate charge. Uh, that's how I always did it. If, uh, if it was something where I could maybe tack something on that was kind of BS, I never would do it just because it's like I always thought it made you look bad. I thought that it, um, you know, funny, it, 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 you, I was going to say funny enough, you actually get can get more respect from the kid and from the families, even if you charge them with a bunch of stuff. But you're like, well, hey, he did all this stuff. They know if you charge them with something that's that's nonsense or that's BS. Even though sometimes I would charge kids with a lot of stuff, it was almost viewed as part of the game. The parents sometimes would be multi generational criminals, and they knew, oh, okay, well, this guy's not um, screwing with this little Jimmy did so and so, and so that's what he's getting charged with. So. They didn't see it as uh, malice. They just thought, oh, he's just doing his job as part of the game. But the prosecutors in his case, I, they, there was sort of malicious intent in that I think that they saw this as a way to kind of make a name for themselves. Also, sometimes people tend to think, oh, the prosecutor's office, they're going to be more conservative in their political bent or views. Well, that's not the case. You know, the, the prosecutors are... They're regular people too, that you're going to have super far right leaning people. You're going to have super left leaning people. And then depending on who is your head prosecutor, your head district attorney, or, or your head county attorney, however they're going to do that, that person can sort of set the tone. And so you may have a guy at the top who's super liberal or super conservative. And depending on the type of case that comes down, he may put or assign people on there that are going to follow that person's lead. Anyway, with some of the stuff, I, I'd like to go back and get like a closer view of the Rittenhouse thing. I don't want to sit through 900 hours of, of trial. And I also still don't have a 100% view of kind of what went down, how things went down, where he was when he got there. 
the area that he was at. And I don't know, I'm sure I there's got to be somebody that has done it somewhere. Either sort of an animated thing or a deal where they even do like on a whiteboard where they say, okay, this is the layout of the area that he was in. Here's the streets. This would have been, you know, they would have had all these people around. I'd love to see like an, like kind of a bird's eye view of an animated thing. Uh, I've seen some of the actual footage, but even that is still kind of, you, you don't sort of get that sense of like, you know, when you look on your navigation app or something like that, you know, so that's what I'd like to see is, oh, he started out here. He went over here. This is this, you know, this is when he was first attacked by the dude that was, uh, you know, the Kung Fu kicker guy or whatever. Then he came over here. Here's where so-and-so tried to take his rifle. He shot, he ran to here. He came over there. He did this, he did this. And this is sort of all in the timeline. That's what I'd kind of really like to see, but kind of done in a concise manner. So if any of you guys know of that, let me know if there's a, a place where I could go and see and, and look at it as long as it's not, you know, like 10 hours long. So I would love to hear, let me know what you guys think. Uh, do you think he was um, in the right, in the wrong? I think from a legal standpoint, he of course was in the right. It was, a, to me, it was a legitimate self-defense situation. I do not buy the idea that just because he had a firearm that he sort of forfeits his right to self-defense, which was, which was a big part of what the, the prosecution tried to come after him for. Uh, and then we also saw stuff where they charged him with things that they knew were they knew were going to probably be thrown out. It was a 99.9% chance that a lot of this stuff was going to get thrown out. Uh, there was, or if they didn't, man, they're pretty incompetent because you could go and you could look up the statutes. And this is, again, these prosecutors and stuff, they eat, sleep, and, 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 uh, and breathe this stuff, right? So they, they had to have known. I, I can't, I can't buy the fact that they thought, oh, well, we interpreted it in such and such a way. I, there's, it was, it was going to be thrown out there and they kind of knew it. But again, it's just a pile on. And it's, I, I think sort of a, a big part of it, now that I'm kind of, kind of talking this out in my head, sort of in with you guys, I think a big part of it was to pile on in the court of public opinion. And that, the outcry from the public would be so great that they would be able to maybe get a conviction based on keeping the public peace. All right. So anyway, enough of that. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know, uh, hero zero. Should he have been there? Should he not have been there? Uh, was it self-defense in your opinion? Was it not? He appeared to have pretty good training. He appeared to, uh, handle himself pretty well and, and keep his head. So let me know what you guys think about that too. Like I said, I don't have a hundred percent, of a sense of kind of what he did, but from what I saw, he seemed to be, he seemed to do pretty well. All right, let's go ahead and let's talk about something a little different here. Uh, earlier we said we were going to talk about some of the ammunition and some of the firearm availability and what's going on with that. The prices are still of ammunition are still pretty high. However, it seems like you can still get stuff there. If you want 22, you can get it. If you want nine millimeter, if you want 10 millimeter, you can get it. Sometimes it's a little pricey and it may not be exactly what you want, but it's there and it's available. And so generally what that means is, you know, we've seen these things. If, if you've been around in gun world for the last, you know, 15, 20 years or whatever, you've seen that when these uh, ammunition crises happen or shortages happen, 
you'll get the uh, the supply gets outstripped by demand and then so price goes up and then all of a sudden price hits a certain point and also demand hits a certain point where a lot of people that were panic buying are like, well, I'm not going to panic buy anymore. I've kind of got what I want. And they, they feel, um, even though they're not going out and shooting with it, they feel like, okay, I've got kind of, I've, I've reached whatever number I need to, to reach to where I feel satiated and I don't feel that I need to just buy, buy, buy. Uh, now with 22, it took a long time before we saw that come down with, with the last thing. Uh, but anyway, what generally happens is you'll see the price goes up, demand goes up, supply goes down, and then you get to a point to where price starts to out, outstrip demand, meaning that this stuff is there, but it's too high and people aren't willing to pay the exorbitant price. And so then what happens is because people are like, well, you know, I got my 500 rounds and so I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm, I'd like to get more, but I'm not going to pay this, you know, this high price. So stuff starts sitting there and then the price slowly starts to come down. Now, the guys that bought the ammunition, the retailers that are selling it to you, they bought at a higher price. So they don't want to lower their price too much. So it's going to, it'll slowly kind of trickle down. Eventually, if it just sits there long enough, somebody some new distributor or new ammunition seller will buy stuff at a lower price and they'll start selling their stuff at a lower price because they can still make the profit what it will do is it will force some of these other guys to then kind of they'll cut their price and they'll either have to uh, break even or maybe sell it at a loss you know i don't i don't know but i do think i'm starting to see a lot of nine millimeter shotgun ammos back i've uh I'm seeing the prices are starting to come down where at one point it was what, like 60 cents around for nine mil. Uh, now you can, you can readily find it for probably about 32 cents, maybe 30 cents around, uh, which means it's going to start going back down. So, and probably what it will really see kind of a drop if the Republicans take over the Senate and kind of can take over the house on this upcoming election for 2022. So we'll see on that. Uh, firearms wise, again, I'm seeing a lot of stuff that was gone. Shelves were bare. You're going in now, you can pretty much get what you want. You may pay, again, you may pay a little bit more, but it's it's out there. Uh, you can find it. Uh, some of the stuff that I, I don't know if I talked about on the last show, uh, I had gotten, I have a, a, a break action, just 12 gauge shotgun, so a single shot. And I always wanted to get some of the adapters for it. It's a 12 gauge where you could shoot, uh, I especially want a 22 and nine millimeter, cause that's, you know, uh, it's just fun to shoot. Um, and I eventually I'd like to get adapters for 357 and for, you know, 44 Magnum and just, you know, just for, and again, it's more for funsies than anything else. But, and it's also a thing where, you know, you can take somebody, if they're a little gun shy, you can take that single shot shotgun out and you can put that nine millimeter adapter in there and it's just like, poop. It's, you know, it's nothing or you can put the 22 in there. So anyway, I finally got those. I was able to get those through, uh, I think it's called short lane or gunadapters.com. And uh, I got those, I got the nine millimeter and the 22. And I haven't had a chance to get out there and shoot them yet, but I'm hoping to get out there maybe sometime next month, maybe in, uh, in February and uh, shoot those. I also bought, which is one thing I'd wanted for a while, 
and I ended up getting it on sale. I got it through uh, Palmetto State Armory for like $169 or something like that, which is the CMMG AR-15 22 long rifle adapter. So you get, you basically replace your bolt and they have specialized magazines. Now suppose, now I haven't, I just got that in the mail two, three days ago, I think it was. The one that they were selling was, uh, it's the stainless steel bolt, I guess, with, and it came with three magazines. And like I said, uh, PSA had it on sale. And at first I thought, oh, because I had heard some people had some problems with the CMMG magazines. They could have maybe a little bit of trouble with feeding or a little bit of trouble with ex extraction, things like that. And the ones that everybody seemed to like and have real good luck with were called, I think it's like, it's like uh, Black Dog or something like that. Black Dog Machine or something like that. Hold on, let me, let me see if I can find it on my phone. Okay, I looked it up here real quick. It's called Black Dog Machine LLC, something like that. Anyway, supposedly they have ones that have actual metal feed lips and they're a little bit bigger than the CMMG, so they still will drop free. But because the fitment is a little better, supposedly you don't have some of the trouble with those. So I was looking at some of those and... I thought, well, I could, you know, I can just buy the bolt and I won't. All right, you may, uh, I may have left that part in a little bit, but I did get a phone call there. So anyway, I was talking about the uh, Black Dog machine. Supposedly those are a little bit better made. The reason I went with the three, the, the uh, conversion bolt and then the three magazines was that the sale price that PSA had when I looked at just buying the buying just the bolt by itself or maybe the bolt and one magazine they were usually more expensive they were anywhere from about $189 up to you know 200 and something uh, so I thought well I can't I'll just go ahead and get this because I'll get these magazines I'll have three and if they work fine they work fine and if they don't well I, I technically really won't be out any any money because I couldn't have got a better deal on it even just buying the bolt by itself uh, so hopefully the mags will will work and again these aren't going to be you know life uh, uh, I'm not going to be putting my life on the line with this uh, with this thing but supposedly like I said those black dog machine the gen threes come with I think it's gen three come with um they have steel feed, uh, feed lips instead of the polymer. Uh, and I think they also have on the side, they have sort of like on the old Ruger uh, magazine, 10 round magazines where you would have the little load assist where you could you pull down on the, it's got the little thumb spring that you can pull down on. Anyway, that's kind of about all the stuff that I got. I talked about the adapters that I got for the 12 gauge and then I got the uh, conversion kit for CMMG. If any of you guys out there have any experience, go ahead, uh, call in or, or shoot me an email, especially if you've had it long term. This thing has been around for a while, but if you've had it long term, let us know some of the pluses and minuses. If, you know, if you've had good luck, bad luck with the CMMG magazines, or if you've had good luck, bad luck with the Black Dog Machine magazines on there. 
I think that's going to do it. Uh, the show is maybe a little bit shorter today. Going to probably be around 30, 40 minutes or so, something like that. So anyway, let me give you that contact information again. I'd love to hear from you. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, we had touched, I touched briefly on it, and that is the election that's coming up in 2022. In Arizona, we have, uh, for the first time in a long time, two Democratic or Democrat senators. We have Kirsten Cinema, and then we have Mark Kelly. Cinema has actually, I think, done a pretty good thing. She is definitely left, but she is not so far left. She used to be considered kind of out there left, but by today's standards, she's just center left. She's, she's, I think she really is probably a moderate on most things. On guns, eh, probably not so much, but she is one of the main people that has been kind of holding the line against the filibuster getting uh, pushed aside, her and Manchin. Uh, she also held her feet to the, uh, to the to put her toes up on the line again for some budget things that were happening uh, that were going to be bad. And she said, no, we're not going to do that because it's going to adversely affect the people out here in Arizona and we're not going to, uh, we're not going to put this undue tax burden on them. So while she is not 100% at all what I would like, I will give her credit where credit is due. Uh, she has a lot more liberal stances than I, than, uh, than, than I wish she did, but... Like I said, credit is given where credit is due. She did stand the line. She did uh, stick to her principles, which is refreshing. Even if I disagree with her on a lot of stuff, I can say at least she stuck to her guns. No, no pun intended. Now, Mark Kelly, he has been a good little lapdog for, uh, for the Democratic Party. And what they're allowing him to do, and it's, it's a... Oh, a... Um, not an unheard of strategy. He filled in for McCain, so he only had a year or so before. Well, he's going to have two years. And then he is going to face re-election as an incumbent. And if he gets re-elected, he'll be in for six. So he was just filling out the rest of McCain's term. And what they're having him do is just basically lay low. He is not going to say no to the filibuster. He is not going to say no to like any of these weird voting rights laws and all this other stuff that's trying to get pushed through, he will do exactly what the party tells him. And I think, again, it's, it's that expression, this is sort of the Republicans' election to lose. I'm no fan of the Republicans, but at least they're not going to try and yank my guns away. They're not, you know, there's a whole host of other things. I think, I think out in Arizona, I think a lot of people are, depending on who they run against them and depending on what kind of campaign they are going to run, hopefully they won't come in and say, I'm Trump Jr. Because I think that's not going to work out here. What they need to do is come in and say, hey, here's this guy, Mark Kelly, who said he was going to do all this stuff, but he's not. When push comes to shove, He's going to roll over and do whatever the Democratic Party tells him to do. And he's not going to do what's best for the people out here in Arizona. And that's how they're going to have to, I think, go after him. He is going to run as a very moderate Democrat. And he'll say, well, look at how I voted. I didn't, you know, I didn't uh, vote for all this, that and the other thing. If, if the Democrats were smart, what they would be telling him to do is to get out there and say no to the filibuster. Uh, because that will probably p play better here. But again, maybe they're not. Maybe they think, ah, if we lose him, we've still got, you know, cinema and, and on other things, she'll probably play ball. Uh, but what they want is to be able to say, 
have somebody go in there and say, I want these voting right laws. I, you know, this filibuster, we got to make these special exemptions to get this stuff through so people don't uh, have their rights taken away from them, you know, by the horrible Republicans and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I, I hate them all. It will be very, very interesting to see what happens in 2022. If the Republicans take back the House and if they take the Senate, uh, then, of course, you will see the Democrats will change their tune on the filibuster so fast it will make your head spin. So, we're, again, we're seeing position, positional thinking and uh, governing, governance rather than principled thinking and principled governance. We will also see, I think, if the, if the Senate is taken back, more, even more so than the House, if the Senate is taken, I think you'll see a, a, a reduction much quicker in ammo and firearm stuff uh, because most people will breathe a sigh of relief because they think that the, anything that comes from the House, any wacky bills that come from the House will be, uh, will be squashed. All right, so now for real, so I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Thanks for hanging out with me uh, and spending some of your time with me. I appreciate it. Like I said, if you want to support the show, uh, one good way to do it that's easy and free, send in some feedback. Let me know what you think. Uh, you can even just send in a thing saying, hey, this is, uh, you know, Dave from New Mexico or whatever, something like that. All right, my friends, let me give you that information, uh, contact information. The voicemail is 206 745-2731 and the email address to send either uh, an email that I'll read out for you on the show or if your own your own audio that you've recorded I'll play it for you is firearmscafe at protonmail p-r-o-t-o-n-m-a-i-l dot com firearmscafe at protonmail dot com alright I hope to hear from you and I will talk to you guys next time Black coffee, please get busy. Oh, 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 oh. 
I'm not gonna get 